0: to the Become a Guitarist Today podcast with Adam Roach.
1: Hey there, and welcome to episode number 118 with my guest today, Mike Spritzer from the band Devil Driver. So in this podcast, we talk about their new album called Dealing with Demons, which is out now. So Mike also gives us a breakdown to the recording process of the album, plus how he first joined the band and lots more. So first of all, sorry again about the delay of getting this podcast out. Uh, It's been a a busy month with recording my, my own song with the passing Eddie Van Halen, and I released a video of all guitarists from around the world doing a little tribute to Eddie. So I'll put the link in the show notes so you can check out that video, plus my new original tune that you can hear at the start of today's podcast. So thank you to my sponsors, Ernie Ball, Musician, Living Music, and Custom Guitar Picks. So before we go to the interview with Mike, Let's have a quick listen to one of the songs off the new album.
0: Hello.
1: Hi, Mike. How you doing, bro? Good, how are you?
0: I'm good, good man. You know, considering all things. Life is uh, pretty good at the moment.
1: First of all, yeah, like to congratulate you on the the album. And how's it all been going?
0: Overwhelmingly positive response. I could not be happier. I think uh, I knew this was probably the best record that we've we've done since the last kind words. Yep. And which always has seemed to be a fan favorite from the feedback that I've gotten from fans over the years. And it's you know I've always liked the other records, and I stand. Tall behind our, all of our records, and uh, but there was just something with this one that just had a quality, a quality to it that was a bit more special yeah. for some reason, and just everything fell into place, you mm. know, in a very, very nice way. It was a fun record to record, and you know, I couldn't wait every day to get back in the studio with the guys. It was. Yeah, I almost wish that I could go back in time and do it again the same exact way. That's how much fun it was. Yeah,
1: that's great. I mean, because you've got the the two albums, haven't you? So the this one and the next one coming out hopefully next year?
0: That was the original plan. Yep. But with the pandemic, you know, I, if it were, it's not totally up to me. You know, it's it's up to a lot of people. But if I had my way, I would probably want to wait until we get out on tour again. But everything is so unknown. Right now that, you know, I can't give you a solid answer on what's going to happen because nobody knows what's going to happen at this point.
1: Yeah, because um, one of the interviews I saw, uh, actually I watched one with uh, Dez and Rob Flynn, which is a, a great interview. You know, the backstory behind Dez and his life, the, some of the, the meanings behind some of the songs for this album and the next one. And he was saying some of the, the music on the, the second one from you guys, I reckon, is incredible. So, yeah, really can't wait to hear that one as well.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, we didn't go in with the mentality of these songs were going to go on volume one and these are going to go on volume two. Everything was written together and then we figured out which ones we wanted to put on which volume when you know everything was said done, mixed and mastered. So if you like Dealing with Demons volume one, you're probably going to really dig volume two. I can almost guarantee it.
1: But he was saying that the reason that this one... Uh, the single keep away from me which still, like goes in with these times but wasn't written for these times but written a long time ago
0: yeah it was you know i i don't remember where in the writing process i wrote that one but i knew i had something special when i wrote it and i think to this day it's it's definitely up there in my top five favorite songs that we wrote for this record it's you know out of the 20 songs that we did I and mean, we obviously we had close to like 50 ideas before we, you know, we started narrow, narrowing them down. Yep. And before we went into pre-production with our producer Steve Evans. That's the opener on volume 1 and there's the opener on volume 2 or probably the two songs that I would love to play live the most when we start playing shows again.
1: Have you played any of these songs live, or they're all totally new?
0: No, they're all totally new. Yep. Um, we did. We did something a little different on this record that we never had done before. Our producer Steve was adamant about me, Neil, Austin, and himself getting into a practice a rehearsal space yep. and playing these songs together. And we've never really done that before in the past. Mm. We always, you know, demoed everything in my studio, got it the way we want practiced on our own before he went on the studio and then went and recorded it with uh with a producer but steve didn't want to do that in a sense we actually have played these as a band Mm. you know not with not with dez dez you know comes pops in from time to time when we're we're doing pre-production and uh we're always really happy when he popped in because he always brought food with him (laughs) 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 but uh You know, it was basically just the four of us in there, you know, cutting the fat off the songs and adding things, you know, messing with tempos. A lot of the songs ended up being played on a baritone or a seven string Mm. that were originally written for a six string and drop C and a lot of them are in drop A. Oh wow! And uh, now that I know how important that is for the writing process, I never want to do a record where we don't do that again. It's, I think it made a massive difference, and I think that's one of the reasons why this record came out the way that it did. Yeah. Is, You know, I, I really got to credit Steve Evans a lot, he is an amazing producer. I absolutely love working with that guy, we all do.
1: Play in another interview that you actually both learned, like you and Neil, learned each other's parts to record down.
0: Yeah, we had. That's another thing that uh, Steve insisted on was he wanted me to play all the rhythms on one side and Neil to play all the rhythms on the other. You know, so you're always hearing both of us play on every song except for two. There's one song that he wrote, one song that I wrote, where we play all the rhythms. Yep. Um, I'm not sure which song it was of his, but on the song, the, uh, It's a Hard truth. That was one of the songs that Neil didn't learn, and I just did on my own. But Neil has, when he plays through a guitar, for some reason, the way he picks the strings, he gets more low-end you know, out of the guitar. Yep. And I get less low-end and more top-end bite, because I'm a very heavy-handed player. And Steve saw that and he just thought it would be a nice blend yeah. to put those two styles together. And that's another thing that we had never done before. And I'm really happy that we did it that way. I wasn't really enthused about learning all 20 songs or 18 songs, whatever. Or no, it was it 19 songs. Yeah. But, you know, Steve told me he wanted to do it this way. And I was just like, Steve, there's no freaking way on earth I'm going to, you know, we only have this amount of time until we got to do pre-production. And I don't know if I have time to learn all these songs (laughs) before we get in there. And he just kind of used his Jedi mind powers on me. And next thing I know, I, you know, for better or worse, I knew all the songs, at least to the point where I can go in with the band and play them and, you know, Neil as well. And uh, some of the stuff was really weird for me to learn because Austin wrote some songs on this one as well. And drummers write guitar riffs yeah. in the weirdest way yep. and i'm used to this because our old drummer wrote a lot of you know really really big chunk of Devil driver material and i had to learn his riffs as well and it's just they just have a different way of writing they, they play the guitar like a drum set and yep. it's it's usually a little out of my comfort zone but it gave, it gave the record more diversity having austin songs or just riffs in there and also it presented a big challenge to me because some of the stuff he comes up with is just really far out of my comfort zone yeah so that was a bit of a challenge
1: was there any songs like you had to learn that neil wrote that you thought it yeah, was a bit of a challenge and you really had to you know learn different techniques or anything
0: uh, yeah i know there's so many songs like what song is it? there's one song that doesn't really sound like it but it's in a like a 7-8 time signature. And 7, it was a little weird at first. Yeah. But, you know, it's just repetition, repetition over and over again. And... You know, eventually it it won't feel like an odd time signature to me, and I'll play it over and over again until the point where it's like, well, that's the only way I can play it now because it's kind of tattooed into my brain and my muscle memory to play it that way. But yeah, there were definitely some, you know, Neil and I have different styles of writing, and, and, you know, some things for me are that he writes are really tricky, and, you know, and vice versa. (laughs) You know, he's just. It'll, it'll take him a little bit of a moment to learn some of my stuff, but uh, nothing too terribly difficult. I mean, you know, it might take us like a day, you know, or maybe kind of learn. I'll learn a riff from his, I'll learn how to play it, and I'll be struggling with it. The next day I'll wake up, and it's like 90% there, and then by the end of that day it'll it'll be, you know, 99% to 100% in the box for me.
1: Yeah. So when you write your songs, do you actually write both guitar parts, or you just write the one riff and then Neil comes up with something else over the top?
0: Both, and like if I get stuck on something, if I have a good idea, I'll, I'll roll with it that I really like. But sometimes, you know, it'll go one of two or one of three directions. Either I'll come up with something I really like as a lead on top of it, you know. And sometimes we've got layers of, you know, anywhere between three to six different things going on in some places. And I really like layering stuff. You know, sometimes I'll write a riff, and like the song, you Give Me a Reason to Drink. Yep. The chorus in that song, dude, I was really uh, indecisive about using that. I, when I was writing it, I am kind of like, okay, this is either one of the coolest things I've ever written, or this is one of the worst things I've ever written. Mm-hmm. And it was a song that, that I would partially written, and I kind of I put on the back burner. And I would come back to it and go, eh, I'm going to put that on the back burner for a while, and I'll come back to it. But then all of a sudden, I came up with a lead part that's over the chorus now that just tied it all together for me. And I was like, yes, okay, now I really like this this riff and I can write a whole song around it. But then there's also times where it'll come to me instantly and I'll like it. Mm. Um, sometimes I'll have three or four ideas and I, I'm, I'll present the, these ideas to Neil and Austin when they come over and they'll pick one for me. Okay. And also there's times where you know, I don't want to come up with something because I know that Neil could come up with something really quick on the spot. Um, the song, it's a hard truth. The chorus was a little boring to me until, you know, I had Neil come over and I put it on loop and he kept trying things. And eventually I handed him a guitar slide okay. off my desk, you know, cause I always have them there sitting on my desk in front of me at all times. I got like you know I got a brass one I got a steel one I've got some acrylic ones mm. glass and you know I handed him one and then all of a sudden he came up with the lead part over it's a hard truth and I was like thank you Neil you mm. <laughs> <laughs> you, you made a, a riff that was subpar to me fucking awesome yeah. and, that, and, that, and now it's a song and you know it's one of those things that made the record which I didn't know if it was gonna make the record or not until he came up with that part and I was like, nice.
1: I noticed with the, some of the verses, you know, they weren't exactly the same. Like you did change things around per verse as well.
0: That's actually another thing that I've been really embracing, uh, lately is even if I don't make, you know, some there's like in, uh, it was the Damn Don't Cry. Okay. Actually, no, sorry. i take it back. It's a song on volume two. You guys haven't heard yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's right. But, yeah, but it's kind of all over the place. Like, I like making the second time the verse comes in at least a little bit different, yep. almost religiously now. Mm. And if not making it completely different somehow. And not to say that I wouldn't do it again, but... I wouldn't call any of the songs progressive, but I think just doing those little things gives it a little bit of a hint of that. Yeah. And I like doing things that way. You know, it's different and I think it it presents a little bit more of a challenge to write something that instrumentally is different. But you know, you had Dez in the mix and he's singing something similar over a different riff that, but similar to the way he did it on the first verse, you know, it just, it mixes things up. And I think it, it, uh, gives the listener more diversity in the song for one, but it also gives you something to look forward to. Now, I'm sure there's some people that go and listen, will listen to those things and be like, man, why did they, didn't they just do it the way they did the first time? Yeah. You know what? I don't care. Yeah, that's right. This is the way I'm going to do things. You're either going to like my music or you're not. And my, the, 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 my biggest concern is the music I write is that it makes me happy first and then hopefully that translates well to the listener. Yeah. And that's just the way it's going to be. That's how it all starts. You know, mm. when you know, a lot of these magical moments over the, you know, some of our favorite metal bands that have come out with groundbreaking records, mm. I don't think they were trying to make. They were just trying to have fun. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, and have fun writing music that they wanted to write and hoping that it translates well to the public because if you try to, I mean, for me, I always say one reason why we don't want to have other people write music for us or, you know, it's like, you got to live with yourself at the end of the day. Yeah. (laughs) And um, I don't want to release things that I don't personally enjoy because it'll eat me up. And once a record is done, you can't go back and change it. And a lot of people don't realize how stressful that could be for people in a band because it's it's so final once it's done yep. that you know that going in. Like whatever we release and we re, you know, we record and then release, you know, it's it's gonna be there forever. I don't wanna go back and listen to something. You know, a good example too is like the song Just Run on the Theory or Maker's Hand. A lot of my friends really liked that song yeah. and for, and I don't think I've listened to it very many times since we listened to that record but mm. or since we released that record yeah. all of us were kind of like, well, it's a good song but it didn't really come out the way we wanted it to. but for some reason it translated really well to, to the fans and a lot of people that I was close with that were you know really excited that you know to, to hear our second record. It's still to this day, I don't understand why people like that song so much. <laughs> it's weird to me.
1: <laughs> the other interview, like I was saying, I watched with Des and Rob Flynn. Dez did talk about a lot about you guys and when you first joined the band how he was just stoked you know that, so i think it was like what, two weeks notice or something and then you had 10 days to learn the songs for a tour
0: <laughs> i had one day to learn the. Songs. oh one day oh well wow. <laughs> no it was it was only one day you know jeff kendrick and john miller i let them stay at a room in my house in santa barbara in between tours because we were really good friends and one day jeff came home and they were supposed to leave for europe to open up for In Flames in two days Okay. And the other guitar player couldn't go for reasons I won't get into. But yeah, yeah. Um, he, uh, you know, I just kind of offered. And I was like, do you want me to go? And the next day I had, to, you know, they're like, dude, go get your passport ASAP. And my, ex- I had a passport, but it was expired. So, <laughs> you know, I got that whole ball rolling, went home empty handed, stayed up all night with... Jeff learning, I think it was like eight songs off the first record, and got them down as best as I could. I sent my mother to go retrieve my passport at the government office in Los Angeles and meet me at the airport. And our manager at the time wouldn't book me a plane ticket until the passport was in my mother's hand. They didn't want to waste the money. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and it was an expensive plane ticket because it was booked last minute. I think it was over $1,000. Yeah. And, literally, we pulled up at LAX. They got off at one terminal. The van continued to another terminal because the only way they could get me there was on a different airline. Okay. I would already picked up my ticket at our manager's office. My mom was waiting for me at the terminal with my passport and it was this hand off, get on a plane, and I flew to Gothenburg, Sweden. And did the show. And did the show, and yeah, uh-huh. in Flames' hometown of all places. Yeah. And uh, at the time, In Flames was pretty new to me, because the guys in Devil Driver were actually the ones that exposed me to a lot of Scandinavian metal, including In Flames. Okay. And uh, I became a pretty big fan of them you know, almost overnight after listening to Clayman. You know, so I, I just I couldn't have been happier. I was over the moon. You know, I just I was so happy to go on tour in Flames, and but it was a short tour. It was only three weeks. Yeah, but uh, pretty magical moment in my life that I'll never forget. Yeah. You know, we had a uh, we, had, we were in our dressing room, and there was there wasn't much in in there other than a bottle of Jack Daniels when <laughs> we arrived and yeah. um, Des wasn't in the dressing room at the time and you know I opened up the bottle I did a shot and then he comes in he's like alright guys this is an important show first time in Europe it's Mike's first show with us let's not have any alcohol no. <laughs> and then he looks at the the bottle and sees that it's open and there's a little bit out of it he's like who drank this and you know I'm you know, I knew the other guys really well, but you yeah. know, Dez and I were just starting to get to know each other. <laughs> he, uh, he was like, "Who took a shot?" And, you know, I kind of cowardly raised my hand, like, "Me? Am I in trouble?" And he's like, "Well, then, fuck it, we're all doing a shot."
1: No, oh, really. <laughs> so,
0: so that you know, that was number that was number two or three for me and the other guys. We all did a shot of whiskey, yeah. you know, except for I don't think Berkland did because he never drank before shows. Yeah. But and then uh, to top it all off, as our intro is playing. Des made me walk out on stage first. Are you serious? And, uh, yeah, he's like, you don't have a choice. Just go out there and stick your fist in the air as you're walking out. That's all you got to worry about. Oh, okay.
1: That's amazing. Great story. (laughs) A good way to join the band.
0: Yeah, it was an awesome way to join the band. I had so much fun on that tour. That's really cool. Uh,
1: thank you again for your time and I'm really sure everyone's going to really dig this album and the next one once it comes out I
0: well, appreciate it man and uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you
1: alright thanks very much Mike
0: you're welcome have a good
1: one alright see you then bye bye